0: I recognize that they go to a lot of work every week to uh, prepare us, uh, to prepare worship. And, uh, and sometimes we don't uh, take a minute to give our appreciation. So I really am thankful for all that uh, they do for our church and, and really for all those that serve in various ways. I want you to imagine a conversation with me. There is a woman who sits down with her best friend in a coffee shop. And after they have uh, had some small chit-chat for a while, uh, she begins to uh, express the deeper feelings of her own heart. And the woman says to her best friend, she says, sometimes I feel empty inside, like I wish my life was more fulfilling. I'm a Christian and my faith speaks to this, but I wonder if I am who God wants me to be. I wonder if I'm making the difference that I'm supposed to make. And I think what this woman expresses is actually quite uh, significant and natural. That within our own lives, it's really, a, it's really a statement of a desire to have a calling and a purpose. Friedrich Buchner said, Calling is where your deep hunger meets the world's deep needs. And I like that as a definition as we think of our own lives. Calling is where your deep hunger, your hunger, that the, the desires that you have naturally within you meet up with the world's deep needs. And when those two things intersect, if, uh, people find purpose and meaning and fulfillment in life. And then ultimately, if this is the Lord's work, it is where His kingdom is advanced. Ephesians 2.10 is a great verse along these lines. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has created each of us with purpose and meaning and value, and he has created us to do good works. And part of his creation of us is that he has wired us each a certain way. This morning I want to think about that wiring, the way that the natural inclinations that we have within our hearts and within our lives, and we're going to speak directly to the idea of our personality. It's interesting to think about God's calling upon our lives uh, in light of our personality and the way that He has made us. Personality are just certain traits that come about that are just naturally in us that we don't necessarily cultivate. They are planted there by God Himself, part of how He has created us in His image. Some of us would rather bury our heads in a book on a Friday night and get lost in our own thoughts and deep thoughts of others. And then some of us would think that is the worst Friday night you could have. You want to party it up with your family and your friends. Some of us love just the detail of logistics and number crunching, and some of us hate that kind of stuff and would much rather just think big picture and have our heads in the clouds and to dream a million miles in the sky. Some of us caring for people and being sensitive to their feelings and their needs come so naturally, and others of us almost want to say, don't bother me with feelings, Let's just get the job done. You see, each of us is wired slightly different, and none of those are bad. In fact, I want to highlight these things and begin to draw them out because I want us to understand that God has called us not to try to be someone we are not. Now, he transforms us to become more and more like uh, his son Jesus, but he has really called us to be who we are originally intended to be. And part of that is how he has wired us. How our personality comes out. Ephesians 4.11 gives an interesting list here. And we could expound upon this list in many different ways. We look at these as maybe church offices or spiritual gifts. But I want to take this list this morning and just wrestle with the idea of five personality types based on Ephesians 4.11. Ephesians 4.11 says... So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And I think we can look at those and we can begin to identify ourselves somewhere along the way. So before we do that, let's take a minute and pray for God's help this morning. Father God, we come this morning and it is our desire to be in the center of your will. We pray now that you would come and be our teacher, that you would draw us to yourself and help us to receive from you what you would have for us today. And so we commit this next time to you in Jesus' name, amen. All of us is unique, uh, right? Each of us have unique interests and passions and gifts and personalities. And when I think about the uh, Ephesians four eleven list, I want to just begin to bring forward some ideas of some things that kind of now kind of point towards certain things that are wired within us when I think of the apostles that's the first in the list one of the things that comes to mind is that these apostles are visionaries they get a vision for what God is calling them to do and where he is calling them to go next and I think uh, some of us have been wired just that way we love to dream and to think big that we are visionaries, so to speak, thinking of new ways to do things, thinking of better ways. The prophets are kind of like the justice seekers. They, are no, they notice when someone is being treated wrongly or, or unfairly, and it's—and just their natural inclination, they get worked up and they want to make that wrong right, and they want to stand up for those that are being mistreated. And so we have the justice seekers. And then when I think of the evangelists, I think of those that are just Really good at welcoming. And I'm going to talk about how some of us just have a a welcoming personality. Some of us, uh, some of you are just so able to naturally make people feel included. Well, uh, just by your personality, you are able to draw others in and they feel comfortable. And then we have the the pastors, or some translations will say the shepherds, but the What I'm highlighting this morning is the idea of being a caregiver. You have the sense of when someone is hurting. And it comes naturally for you to just come alongside of others in their hurt and in their pain and in their struggles. And then some are teachers. They're just master communicators. They have a way with their words and they are able to make difficult concepts understandable. And so when I think about all of these different personality types... When a person dedicates his or her life to God and becomes a follower of Jesus, then all of these personality types can, uh, can take on a whole new meaning because then we are able to find real fulfillment and significance in how God can use us in the way that we are naturally wired and gifted. Remember what uh, Buchner said, calling is where your deep hunger meets the world's deep needs. And all the emptiness that people feel in our world today testifies to the fact that people have not found their sweet spot, so to speak. have not been able to find their calling in life. And my hope is that in this sermon today that God would help us to be encouraged just to be us for you to be you and that you would think about how God has made you and as you consider that uniqueness you might be able to understand a little better about how you can not only find meaning in the world but find service it, uh, to God. And so let's look at the book of Acts. We're going through the book we're going through a sermon series on the book of Acts and we will see These five personality types jump out when we uh, notice some of the individuals that we have looked at. In fact, this is in a sense a, a, a review sermon because we've looked at all of these individuals, but I've picked out five that I think testify along these lines. First of all, when we think of visionaries, the person that comes to mind right off the bat has to be the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul had all of these ideas of how the Word of God was going to spread from one land to the next. And Darren gave us a map last week, and it was interesting to see how Paul begins to go from one area to the next area to the next area. And it's like he can't stay still. And the reason he can't stay still is because he's a visionary. He's not wired that way. He dreams dreams, and he has ideas of how to reach new lands and new people. Acts 15.12 says the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. You see, Paul gets fired up when he thinks about how the gospel is spreading from one area to the next. Acts 13-26 through tells about three different missionary journeys that Paul goes on. And some of us are like him, We just get fired up when we think about the big picture and what God can do around us. I had an opportunity this week to meet with someone in our church and we just sat down in his living room and for two hours we just brainstormed and threw out ideas. And it was the most fun I've had in a long time. I love talking to people that just vision comes so naturally. Just to think, what could God do in me and around me and... What could God do in our church and what could God do in our community or in our world? And, we, and there are certain people that we just think about these things and we get excited. As a church, we have a leadership team that is called the vision team. Because I think we understand that it is important. Oftentimes, churches get stuck because we don't have a vision of what God's going to do next. And you know what happens to churches that get stuck? Eventually, they stagnate and die. And this is what can happen to each of us as well. When we don't have vision, we grow stale and we stagnate, and we don't live to the fulfillment of what God has called us to. And so we need to surround ourselves sometimes with just people that are these dreamers, these visionaries. And I want to encourage you, if you feel like you are wired that way, dream big. Just say, take a, set aside time and do it with Jesus. Just daydream and just see what comes to mind. And as you pray and think, uh, new ideas will come uh, to your heart. And these very well may be right in the line with the calling that God has given you for your life. The vision team has been working through some ideas of what we're going to call core values of the church. And we're going to teach on these uh, more uh, later on. But let me just bring up one that I think is exciting along these lines. We have a core value of what we're calling daring openness in ministry. A daring openness. Sometimes openness takes some daring, uh, takes some being daring because it, it can be scary, but for the but for the those that have the eyes to see, it is exciting to see what God could do for his glory. And so the first vision so the first personality type is to be a visionary. The second thing, and this comes naturally for a lot of people, it is that of being a justice seeker. You you, uh, notice when others are mistreated or treated wrongly, and it is your natural inclination just to rise up and say, it's not supposed to be that way. We see that all over in the book of Acts. We see the church advocating for the sick and for the poor, for racial equality, for gender equality, and this is happening all over the place. But if I was to pick out one example that I'd want to settle down on this morning. It is that of Peter. Peter is a justice seeker. In Acts 3, we see him uh, making his way to the temple, and as he goes, there's a crippled man uh, along the side of the road, someone who's been crippled since birth. And it would have been very easy for him just to keep on going, pass by. This guy has nothing of worldly value uh, to offer him, but he looks at him, The Acts 3 says, he looks at him straight in the eyes, and he asks him, what he wants him to do. And then Peter goes on to say, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. See, Peter sees this person and this has not been right. This has not been fair. But where I really see the justice seeker of Peter come out is in the next chapter. The rulers and the elders, they don't like that this man has been healed. And notice what Acts 4.8 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And you can almost hear the uh, justice seekers in the background saying, yeah, you take it to him, Peter. They're getting fired up because it is not right uh, what is being done to this man. And the justice seekers will not let it just go by without, uh, without standing up and being his advocate. Martin Luther King was that kind of man, wasn't he? He noticed the inequalities all around him, and he had a sense of justice, did not want anyone to be mistreated. And when he spoke, you could sense that the emotions rise up in all of those who had a similar heart. And there are some among us who are really wired this way. We as a church want to be a justice seekers' church. We want to be able to uh, know that we are standing on the right side of those who. Cannot stand for themselves. In fact, we have a justice and mercy team that seeks to come alongside of those who have been mistreated or taken advantage of in one way or another. But some of us, we don't need a team to be a part of this. We recognize that this is how God has wired us. And if that is you, I just want to encourage you be you, open up your eyes to the things that are happening around you, and you will know, you, you will notice those that need an advocate and to come alongside of them and to stand up, even if it's against the rulers and authorities like Peter did, to stand up for the right, uh, so, that right, so that wrongs may be made right and to do it as Peter did in the name of Jesus. Third pass, uh, personality type that comes out is a welcomer. Some of you, by nature, are just welcomers. You know how to receive people in. You've got that ability to bring energy to a room. You come and you just make everyone feel like they're a part, and there is an attractiveness to that. One day, I walked into the post office, and I saw um, a friend of mine who's also a pastor, and... uh, And when I saw him, I thought he was going to bring the post post office down. Corey, it's so great to see you. We haven't seen you forever. How are you doing? And he just made you feel like a million bucks. In fact, I went home and I uh, told Chelsea, if I wasn't working at a church, I'd go to that guy's church. Just had the ability to make you feel loved and valued. And isn't that a ministry of Jesus himself? To be able to communicate just with our personality, that you are loved and you are valued, and some of you are just that comes so easily and so naturally. You're a welcomer, so to speak. Philip in the book of Acts was that kind of guy. We see Philip in chapter eight. Uh, he comes across a stranger to the to the area. The Bible describes him as an Ethiopian eunuch, and it says that he just comes alongside of him and he makes his way into his chariot and he just. Makes that guy feel at home, even though he's a long ways from home. And Philip asks him, well, do you understand what you're reading? He's sitting there with the scriptures in front of him. And what, Peter, what Philip's doing is he's, putting, he's getting in welcoming mode. And he's going to draw this man into the family of God. And the, eunuchs, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch's response is, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? And they just have a natural conversation for a while. And then the man, he gets really excited. And in fact, in verse 38, it says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. In other words, Philip just let him know this is where home is. You're meant to be a part of the family of God. And some of you are like that. You got that personality that you are able to receive others in. I just want to encourage you in that. That is such a blessing. Just be yourself even when you come to church. Be a welcomer. In fact, we got a welcoming team and you can sign up, put it on the back of the connection card. Welcome team and Darren will get in touch with you. But no matter whether you're serving on the team or not, and it doesn't even, it doesn't mean... 10.30 Sunday morning, just all of your life, be a welcomer. Embrace who God has made you and to realize that you can do tremendous value in the kingdom of God by just drawing others in. Romans 10.15b speaks of the idea of those that are evangelizing. And being a welcomer is a sort of evangelist It says, As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is a beautiful thing when we bring the good news of Jesus' love that he is drawing us into God's family. The fourth personality type that we might highlight is that of a caregiver. Barnabas is a caregiver in the book of Acts. In fact, his name, Barnabas, that's not his birth name, that's a nickname, and it literally means son of encouragement. Wherever we see Barnabas, we just see him caring for others. The first time we see him is in Acts 4, and he's selling his goods and his possessions to care for the needs of, around him. But where I really want to uh, focus for a moment is Acts chapter 9. Here's, I love this picture of Barnabas. You see, everyone noticed that this guy Saul, who used to be a persecutor of the church, Uh, he was converted, but people didn't want anything to do with him. Now, Barnabas had the ability to see what was in his heart. And Barnabas comes around alongside of him, so to speak, and kind of puts his arm around his shoulder, and he introduces him to the apostles, and then Saul, who we later know as Paul, is received in. Caregivers have the ability to do these kind of things. To see what's in our hearts. To come alongside, to put our arms around one another. Not to solve the problem or to make people happy necessarily if they're going through those difficult times in life, but to help them to see the grace that is operating in their lives. And they can sit with them sometimes. Just in their sadness or their grief or their discouragement, in their confusion or whatever else may be going on in their hearts. Look at this passage with me real quick. Acts 9.26 When he, being Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. So Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. A few weeks ago, as the service was coming to a close, I noticed a woman in the congregation, and I knew that she had had one of these weeks. I mean, just a terrible week. Uh, and And the tears started flowing down her cheeks, and I made a mental note to go and talk to her when the service was over. And so after the benediction, I made my way there, but before I could even get there, another church member had just come alongside of her and put her head on her shoulder. And so I just thought, let's let the caregiver be the caregiver. And I don't know, to be honest, I, I let them be alone for a while. I came back later and talked with her, but I don't know if any words were shared. But to me, this is a wonderful ministry that just flows out of the way Some us have been wired and geared. And you might just say, that's being a friend or that's being a loving person to, uh, uh, that's being loving to a person in need. And that's true, but it is also a ministry because God uses you in that time and, and space. Romans 12, 15 is kind of like a caregiver's life verse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And so if you feel like you've been wired that way, if you know in your heart, that's my personality, I'm a caregiver, then look for those who are hurting. You have the ability to look in their face and in their eyes and to sense that pain and that hurt, and then just be willing to come alongside of them. And not only will they be blessed, but you will be blessed as well, because this is part of the good works that God has created you to do. And then finally, we have those that are teachers. Those that have the ability to kind of be master communicators. You have a way with words. You can make difficult concepts understandable and even get people excited about it. I had uh, my best teacher in high school was a math teacher. And he made algebra exciting, which is a very hard thing to do. He was a master communicator. And some of you are kind of like that. You're good. You just are able to communicate these type, uh, communicate whatever is on your heart. James was like that. James in Acts 15, 13, we, we see him. It, it says, when they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said to me, uh, brothers, he said, listen to me. And then he began to teach the people. And it says that he had everyone's attention The issue that they're dealing with in Acts 15 is the difficult issue of whether to receive Gentiles into their midst fully just the way Gentiles uh, are without having to become part of the Jewish religion. For the early church, this was a hard thing, but James is able to take this difficult concept and he boils it down to God's truth. Verse 19, it says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them. And then just in a few brief verses, he describes the Lord's heart. And notice what it says in verse 31. It says, all the people were so encouraged by it. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. You see, good teachers have a way of getting people on board, so to speak, explaining truth and concepts and then, getting, and then having people get excited about it. You have the natural bent for that. Now, we will, as a church, I want to just say, within our ministry, we want to encourage teachers to teach. And we want to give every platform we can to those that have really been called by God to teach. But you don't need a platform or a title to use what God has created you to do. And so I want to just read one more verse, and this is uh, Acts 18, 26. Apollos began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. You see, they didn't have the title of apostle, Priscilla and Aquila. They didn't have... the the uh, class to invite them to they just simply invited them to their home and if you have this type of personality if this is the way that god has wired you i encourage you just find opportunities invite someone to come together and talk about what's going on in the world talk about what's going on in the scriptures and just teach god has wired all of us differently some of you say, yeah, that visionary, that's me. Or no, I'm the, I'm the justice seeker. Or no, I'm the welcomer or the caregiver or the teacher. Or maybe you're a combination of all of, those, of a couple of those. Whoever, however God has wired you, I just want to encourage you to be you. And when you live into that, you are living into God's creative purposes for you. So who is God called you to be? If I could sit with that woman in the coffee shop that I described at the beginning of the sermon, I'd try to explain that God really does want her just to be who she is. That God has wired her in a certain way and given her gifts and passions, abilities and desires, and given her a personality. And I'd try to help her to explore that so that she might come to a greater understanding of the meaning and the purpose that God has created her for. You see, as Ephesians 2.10 says, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you that you have created each one of us that you are our children and that when we were knit together in our mother's wombs, so to speak, that you formed and fashioned us in ways that were just the way that you wanted it to be done, that you uniquely gifted us, that that you uniquely uh, gave us personalities and abilities. And God, I just pray for each one here today, I pray that they would find their calling because there is so much emptiness in our world today. People run from one activity to the next without really any meaning or fulfillment. And I realize that that meaning and fulfillment are ultimately only found in you, Jesus. And so, God, I pray for each of us that you would draw us close to yourself and help us to receive you and all that you would have for us, that we might find real life. As Peter said, "'Where else are we going to go, Lord?' It is in you that we have life. And so, God, we pray that we would run to you today and that you would fill us up, help us to embrace who you have made us to be, and help us to find, even in our personalities, a calling that we might uh, be able to live for you and serve you with all of our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.